This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Finding Your Bliss, a show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrach, and today we're talking about reinventing yourself. But before I tell you about our show today, just a few words about our current coronavirus crisis. Although these are frightening times, I think it's very important to focus on and hold on to some of the positives that can be found during an unsettling time such as this. First of all, we have one of the best healthcare systems in the world in Canada. We can also take charge of our own health and wellness by smart preventative measures from the World Health Organization, WHO, such as washing your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, sing your favorite song while you do it, especially after you've been in public places or after blowing your nose, coughing or sneezing. And naturally, if soap and water are not readily available, use a hand sanitizer. We have one right here that contains at least six percent alcohol. And of course, avoid touching your eyes, nose and mouth with unwashed hands. Times like this force us to take a pause and reflect on what really matters, which is our health, our families, our friends and everyone's well-being. It's a time to come together and also to hunker down and embrace all of the simple pleasures in life, such as reconnecting with your loved ones and with yourself and having more faith and less fear. So this is a time to lean into prayer, to meditation, to mindfulness, yoga, exercise, play those board games, read all those books you've been wanting to devour, and of course, listen to your favorite radio shows or podcasts, and even binge watch your favorite TV series. I really believe we will all get through this together and know that it is a time where we have to find ways to create calm amongst the chaos and believe that this too shall pass, and it will. I love this uplifting meme by Unsinkable Stories, and I've been reposting it all morning at the Bliss Minute on Instagram and Facebook, and I've noticed that other people are responding to it because they've been reposting it as well. And it says, breaking news, getting outdoors, not cancelled, music, not cancelled, family, not cancelled, reading, not cancelled, Singing, not cancelled, but you don't want to hear me doing it. (laughs) Laughing, not cancelled. Hope, not cancelled. Let's embrace what we have. It's a great time to simplify, write that book, write in your journal, learn how to sing and reflect on what your true passion or calling is. And mostly, let's all think of this in terms of how can we all be in service to others utilizing our own unique gifts and capabilities and talents. And that's really what we're talking about today. So we have three great stories of courageous individuals who've all undergone a major career transformation that brought more meaning into their lives. Dr. Sam Gerstein, an emergency room doctor who later in life discovered his true passion, which is helping other people find theirs. Love that. He went from emergency medicine to psychotherapy and wrote a book called Live Your Dreams, Doctor's Orders. Love this book, and it's fantastic, and I've read it. You may also remember Naomi Parnas as a celebrated television reporter for over 20 years at CTV. She has just done a complete career 180 and has launched, along with two other dynamos, a communications company called KPW Communications. And finally, Niels Worth, after years of working in the food industry, 
recently reinvented himself and became a highly successful fitness trainer, catering to the 50-plus crowd in the comfort of their own homes, which has always been his passion. But first, I want you to meet Dr. Sam Gerstein. He, as I mentioned, is an emergency room doctor who later in life discovered his true passion, which is helping other people find theirs. He reinvented himself, transforming his greens in the ER, the emergency room, to becoming a psychotherapist, business coach, and author of the book, Live Your Dreams, Doctor's Orders. Having several tools in his mental health toolbox allows him to customize his therapy to each client in his practice. Dr. Gerstein has also facilitated workshops in both the U.S. and Canada, and you can reach him this way by going to mybusinessblindspots.com, spelt M-Y-B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S-B-L-I-N-D-S-P-O-T-S.com, and we'll have that for you again at the end of the program. Dr. Gerstein, you're a leading emergency room doctor midlife. You did a complete about face, decide to help people connect to their passions and make their dreams turn into a reality. What inspired you to undergo this incredible transformation? And by the way, welcome to Finding Your Blessing. Thank you, Judy. And just want to thank you for inviting me on. Uh, there's no better topic I can think of than I uh, talk about than finding your dream, doing what you love, you know, except the Leafs, but they're, they're not playing right now. So. <laughs> they will again, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, um, I came from a home um, where education was primary. My father was a Holocaust survivor. My mother was a single mother. And they didn't agree on everything, but they agreed on education was key. And that was my principle growing up, my belief. I'll discuss later why our belief systems transform us and, and, and create us. So I was a good student. I studied hard, got into medicine because medicine was like the top of the hierarchy, <laughs> if you know, in that background. And it was it was interesting. It was stimulating. It was challenging. I love the stimulation and went to emergency medicine because it was interesting as well. At the time, though, you know, um, I, as I went along, I became chief of my department, too. So I thought with that background, I thought you're the chief of your department. When you get to the top, you're going to really feel amazing. It's going <laughs> to be this, this moment. Tiffany. <laughs> and after a few weeks in it, it was a position. I enjoyed it. It was had a lot of responsibility, and I didn't feel that moment. And I naively went to my, my mom. I said, what's going on? And she didn't have an explanation. And I, I was confused. I got a little upset, frustrated, you know, sad. And I took a time off, went to, out into the, a cabin in nature in the, up north for a week to contemplate, what's going on? I thought I reached the top. <laughs> and then after a week of soul searching, I came up with it at the end. just came to me. I went, I was missing passion. I was missing feelings. And that was an enormous thing for me because I've always said, you have a goal, go for the goal. But And at, at that moment, that was a turning moment for me. I said to myself, I'm only going to take things I enjoy from now on. Obviously, I kept up. I kept studying because I was doing ER work. But I started doing things I enjoy, like psychology. I was always interested in the mind. Hmm. I took psychology courses when I was off work and weekends. I took... Um, I did a Toastmasters course, uh, practice speaking. I took an improv course at Second City. <laughs> I was just expanding myself and for the first time in my life had having a great time at studying work. Mm -hmm. It wasn't work anymore. And that's how I eventually got into um, interviewing people around the city like, for three and a half years, my, my pet project, and eventually got into my practice where I'm helping people one-on-one -on -one, and now business coaching, helping people 
actually take their dream and make it a reality. Yes. And also as a psychotherapist, I yep. think you're very in demand right now, which we're going to get to in a minute. But before we talk about your book, Live Your Dreams, and all the incredible things you've done, we have to talk about what's going on in the world right now with the coronavirus as it changes from day to day. And a lot of people are feeling very anxious and deeply concerned. Can you begin by taking us back to your time as an emergency room doctor during the SARS outbreak and what that was like for you? It was, um, it was, it was, there was anxiety around. Um, we had to, everything was, was done very well. We wear the suits, we double gloved, double masks, we changed when everybody came. So it was a, a nine hour shift. It was hot after this because I was doing everything within this. We had the visor on. A spacesuit, basically. Yeah. And we didn't actually at the time in 2003, we didn't know as much as we do now about the coronavirus. So we weren't as prepared as a, you know, as, as a country, as a city to handle it. Um, so we were not, we we're doing, we're dealing with the unknown. And what I did, we talked about anxiety a little bit. I had to, I knew I was anxious because I was seeing people were coughing and were coming in, not only just avoiding them, they were coming in, potentially had SARS. And I was looking right at them and dealing with them. And I had to just do my precautions. Whatever I had to do, then I had to trust what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And then I had to do my work because I couldn't focus on me and what if I was going to get sick. No, I had to focus on the patient, help them if they were sick. Of course. So I had to trust the uh, what I was doing and were the precautions we were doing. Were you scared at the time? I was cautiously scared. It wasn't like, as soon as I knew what I was doing and we had the SARS fitting, we had to have the fit so there's no air, there's no seal. There's a perfect seal. So when I did that and I trusted the, I had to, my anxiety went down from a like an <laughs> eight to a four. Mm-hmm. And I tell my clients, anxiety is normal. It's part of life. You're not going to get zero anxiety in life. So if you, you can live in a four and a three, that's good. When it gets to an eight, nine, and 10, it overwhelms you. Right. And, and we have to, and we want to combat that. We're going to be talking yeah. about that. What is dramatically different, though, from what you're observing about the COVID-19 crisis to, to what you experienced with SARS? Well, well, two things. One thing is uh, the SARS... The SARS fatality rate was over 10%, around 10%. And the COVID-19, which I'm not an epidemiologist, so I just want to tell you that up front. I, I deal with, you know, coaching and my, my clients, my psychotherapy clients. Um, I'm reading is about 2 to 3%. We, we don't know, we don't know the denominator yet because we're still testing. Um, so that's one thing different. Another thing different is the social media is exploded now that it wasn't as big in 2003. Right. So it's almost like we're getting ahead of the game. We're, we're anticipating the, the horror, the terror, and it's, that is also spreading as a virus as, as well. Very well put. And that we want to almost simmer down, don't we? That, that, would, yeah. that would be one way to start combating some of the fear is just to simmer down, maybe unplug a little bit. Right. You know, I always say like, we got to get to reality, and it's hard to know reality. So we, we don't want to go uh, too much reality. We want to go uh, raise reality to what it, what, what it isn't. That leads us to high anxiety and panic. We don't want to avoid reality because that leads us to complacency and ignoring right. the problem. But we want to face reality as it is and put things in place, like you said at your intro, you know, um, social distancing, washing your hands. Once you do that and, and, and as a country to take different actions, which we're doing, then now we can face reality with a normal anxiety level, which is probably four or five right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned to me before the show that a lot of your psychotherapy patients are feeling a lot of anxiety. What advice do you have for people to stay calm and not panic? Well, that, that's exactly what I just said. Um, I had a person ask me last week, should I go to the, the, the parade downtown? Um, what, the, um, what's it? The, um... <laughs> I know there's so many of them. <laughs> 
So I, I said to him, well, it, it is a social gathering. There's going to be a lot of people there. There's going to be, you know, hundreds of people there. It might not be a good idea to do that. But should, should you go out with friends right now? And right, you have to assess it as a go because it's a fluid thing going on right now. So I said, I can't tell you what to do. No one can tell you what to do. But you have to read the news, read different kinds of different news mm-hmm. to get a clear picture of what reality is and make a decision going forward. Absolutely. Because we're doing well right now. If you look at the, at the numbers in Canada right now, but it might change the next few days. I Absolutely. can't predict that. Absolutely. Actually, Do- um, Naomi Parnas, who's been a reporter with CTV for 20 years, is coming on soon. And she's going to talk about the difference between the news media and social media. Right. And there's a huge difference with those two. Great. Dr. Gerstein, we have to have a, a little break from this and talk about your book, which is so delightful. And a lot of people can utilize it right now. And it's called Live Your Dreams, Doctor's Orders, A Guide to Self-Fulfillment and Happiness. I had many aha moments when I was reading this book, especially reading the intro from my friend Jack Canfield, who's been a guest on this show. And uh, what was that like? How did you and Jack Canfield connect and how did he come to write your your intro for your book? Well, it just goes to show you, which I talk about my coaching, my clients, is that you never know what's going to happen until you take action. You can think about your dream all you want. You can contemplate it, but it, you won't know it until you take action. And, and all kinds of things happen, like serendipity, like... Um, my, my my great editor, one of my editors, Janet Matthews, love with the work she did with my book. And she said, as we're going along, I said, I'm looking for someone to do the forward. This is like way into the book. And she said, you know what? I have a good friend of mine, Jack Canfield. I go, no way. She goes, yeah, I could <laughs> maybe talk to him. Chicken soup for the soul, wow. <laughs> and and she said, if you could talk to him, that would be great. I didn't expect it, but, you know, he, he, he came forward. He did a great job, and I really thank him, for, uh, appreciate what he did for it. Also, I sent my book out for endorsements for all kinds of people. I, my, I even sent it to Oprah. I don't, I don't even know if she saw it, <laughs> but what do I have to lose? And that's what I tell my clients. Maybe for the, re- the, the reprint, the next edition, Oprah will do the forward. Sure. That would be very cool. I love your quote, Dreams of the action or fantasy actions without dreams are empty dreams combined with actions manifest one's destiny what do you mean by that well i see a lot of people that work hard and if you work hard without a passion which i experience with you can be successful financially but doesn't mean you're going to get that hard feeling that feeling that comes to you that feeling gratifying fulfilling i've been doing this now for about 12 years and i switched from emergency medicine I haven't lost that feeling. I still look forward to Monday mornings. I enjoy what I'm doing. Because when you find that passion, it just comes alive. You come alive. And the, the second part was, you know, dreams with, with, without action or fantasy. Because if you just think about it, and you, I have some people I've, I've talked to that do this, they won't get there. Mm-hmm. And you have to get in the game and have the dream, but then work hard. Because I see you work hard at what you're doing, too. <laughs> I do, I do. You love what you're doing? <laughs> I do, 100%. And I think that one of the things is when you know that four or five hours is elapsing and you don't even realize that time has gone by, that's often a clue, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. time flies by or time stands still, um, either mm-hmm. one or you just feel this energy. A lot of people, you know, do work and, and at the end of the day, they feel tired. I feel energized at the end of the day. You could keep going. Yeah. I do. I'm up at four in the morning. My husband's saying, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> Close the light. Uh, typically, people tend to create obstacles for themselves. But now more than ever, we need to stay positive and not let our thoughts create unnecessary drama. The biggest obstacle is ourselves. Mm-hmm. How do we overcome this? Well, a good example, I have one of my people I interviewed for my book is uh, Charles Marcus. Um, he was a person that stuttered from a young age. And he had a challenge with this and struggled with it. It was called names. Kids can be vicious. Um, and he felt 
stupid, he told me, growing up. He didn't feel – there's something – he felt inferior because he stuttered. And even adults, he told me, can be cruel too because he told me one of the turning points for him was going for actually changing his life, wanting to change his life and go for help with the stuttering. So he had to buy a ticket on this train station and people behind him were saying, get on with it, hurry up. And they're calling oh, – Terrible. And he said – he told me in that moment, he, he said, took a step out of line after he bought the ticket. He had to write it down actually because he couldn't say it. He said – Never will I be embarrassed like that again. I'm never going to let someone do that to me. And to his credit, he moved from that and used his weakness, his stuttering, to now move into public speaking, where he actually does this now worldwide and helps people feel stronger about themselves. And and he still has a little stutter. He said that actually that, that's okay because that makes him credible and, and human. gives him authenticity. Yeah, of he's course. just human. Of course, absolutely. What are you referring to when you suggest that people take note of their portable skills in order to enhance their their career? Well, we all have things we do well. Um, another, another person in the book comes to mind is Janice Lindsay. She was raised in Stratford and worked in Stratford in the theater there. And she was good at it. But her passion was actually color, she told me. Hmm. So she took the skills she learned in the, in the, in, in, in the, uh, in, in the industry in, in Stratford and she applied it to a, a color, de- developing a business around color. Wow. And she actually went to a magazine, I think it was Home and Fashion magazine, says, you don't have enough color commentator, color hmm. consultant. Maybe I'll do a column. And that took a lot of guts. It was a proactive step. And by doing that, she built her own color consulting business, which she does for residential and commercial properties now. So amazing. One of the myths in your book is I can't leave my stable bo- job. What else will I do? And this is particularly applicable right now as we have to face possibly doing more work from home for a little while and tweaking what we do. What suggestions do you mean by, do you have right. for this? And I see this a lot with my clients. Um, one comes to mind, someone was really, he was in the tech industry for a big consulting firm doing tech work and he didn't, wasn't, enamored by it at all. It wasn't thrilling him at all. But I said, okay, what do you do here that you actually can carry forward? What do you actually love? What part of the job? Because you don't hate it at all. And he said he loves the research behind it. And I said, okay, let's start moving. I have a 12-step program where I actually take people through to actually discover what they want to do. So in the program, as we're going through, he realizes he loves selling. He loves and now he and he researches and sells. So I said, what can you do with that? So now what he's doing, he's doing consulting for people who want to sell on eBay. Hmm. And he does he, that's his program now. And Fantastic. he left his work in the, in the tech in the in the um, in the consulting firm, he's doing this, doing this full time now, and he superseded his previous income. That's fantastic. I love your chart, and we have to do this briefly, where you use your current career to get a glimpse of your dream career with these excellent questions. What do I enjoy? What do I dislike? And who can I best service? The best question of all of them. Yeah. How do, and how how does this work? Very briefly, help people and work for people. Again, that's a it's a big topic. It's a simple question, but a big answer. I'll just briefly say. A lot of people come in, they don't know what they want. So the easiest thing to do, okay, let's talk about what you don't want. So we start there. And then we move into what you enjoy in childhood, as an adult, what you do when you're no one's looking, what you do when you're off time. And a lot of people can't see how they can relate to actually making money. And that's why I help them take that step over that bridge. And in the end, the last part is, who do you serve? I don't know any industry, any work where you're actually not serving a person. Even people that buy stuff for their dogs, you're not selling to the dog. You're selling to the owner and you're selling the product because they love their dog. So the key is focus on the people you serve and you're doing it from your passion 
That's, to me, a dream business. It's amazing. My favorite quote in your book is to get what you want, help other people get what they want by Zig Ziglar. I love that. And how do we overcome our fears and all the excuses that we make that prevent us from making a career change? First of all, I love Zig Ziglar. I read a lot of his stuff. <laughs> He's um, great. Yeah. Well, so it's great to have the dream. It's great to have the idea. But then when it comes to taking action, that's where I come in handy. That's where I help my clients a lot. What they do is they... We have all have beliefs in our system, in our minds, and they often come from childhood. Beliefs that are not true, but it doesn't matter. If we carry them long enough, we start internalizing them. Beliefs such as, I'm not good enough, or I'm not lovable, or I'm not smart enough. And these are followed by other parts, which I call the blind spots, which don't want anyone to see that. So people sometimes do the pleaser game. The pleaser, they want to please everybody. They want to make sure every, they, they do too much work and they exhaust themselves. Right. People that avoid things, procrastinate. I have a couple of writers, in my, a few writers I've worked with that they tell me they they're not want to finish the book because if they ever finish the book, <laughs> it'll be criticized and then they'll never have the dream anymore. <laughs> it'll be actually reality. I go, yeah, but then you use reality and you build on that. <laughs> exactly. So that's, but that's the, another blind spot because they don't, they don't, they want to avoid it. Tell me your website again, because your website is great and people can contact you and actually get help with this. And you can sure. do this online with them and in many different ways. Tell us your website again. So my website is mybusinessblindspots.com. Fantastic. And you can reach me also at support at mybusinessblindspots.com. That's fantastic. And what is bliss in a few words or less for Dr. Sam Gerstein? For me, it's total health. So when I worked in emergency, that was physical health. And then I went to the you know, mental health and helping people with their blind spots and their fears. And then I realized that as I'm working the last 12 years, everything you have, every chronic illness has a mental component. Every mental illness has a physical component. So now I'm moving to a mind-body kind of focus. And for mind-body total health, and that, that's where I'm really focused on now. And and I, my my vision... My passion is, mission is to help other people find that too. And I love doing that. Well, you're terrific. And it's been so wonderful to have you here. And I hope that people will get your book, Live Your Dreams, Doctor's Orders, Guide to Self-Fulfillment and Happiness. We're going to go to it with Dr. Sam Gerstein. We're going to go to a short commercial break right now. When we come back, we will meet Naomi Parnas, who started her own company, reinventing her life and career after 20 years as a reporter at CTV. You don't want to miss this. Back in a moment. Thank you, Judy. Thank you. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back. 
Talk, and we are delighted to have Naomi Parnas here in the studio. Naomi Parnas is an award-winning storyteller, content creator, communication specialist, and journalist, a reporter with over 20 years' experience. She spent almost a decade at CTV News in Toronto. During her time at CTV, she held many roles such as City Hall Bureau reporter, education specialist, and general assignment reporter. She was also involved in many in-depth investigations and broke numerous stories. She covered elections for CTV News at the federal, provincial, and municipal levels. She was also live on the ground for many historic and breaking news stories, including the G20 Summit. While at CTV, she traveled to Poland to cover the March of the Living. She wrote, reported, and helped produce a five-part series about the Nazi concentration camps, and it won the 2006 Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Documentary. Congratulations. Thank you. And the National and Regional RTNDA Dave Rogers Award for Best News Feature. And it was actually at CTV2, which is a channel. Now, but, well, <laughs> wow. no, CTV2 now it was a channel then. Oh, that's The new so VR. Cool. Some people will know it as the new VR. You spent two numbers, two summers in New York working at CBS News and NY1. New York 1. Yeah. New York 1, where you worked on a nightly show about 9-11. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. In 2016, you left news but continued your passion for storytelling. You spent three years at UJA Federation of Greater Toronto, a Toronto not-for-profit organization, as the director of digital content and storytelling. In 2019, you became a principal and founder of KPW Communications. It's so weird to hear it. <laughs> it's so <laughs> cool. It really yeah. makes it it makes it uh, real, right? Yeah. Her main your main practice is content creation and digital storytelling for a variety of public and private sector clients and several charities. Naomi is an active volunteer in her community and has sat on the Holocaust Education Week committee for over two decades. Wow. What what a very cool resume you have. Thank you. Congratulations Thank you. Thanks on all of it. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm so happy to have you here. Naomi, you've worked in the trenches as a news reporter for 20 years. You've been in major crisis situations. How is this different and how do you feel the media is handling this? This is unprecedented. I'm sure all of us feel the same way. I mean, I know having covered 9-11, I think we all we all felt the world changed after 9-11 um, and doing nightly stories on it. I mean, it was it affects you. It really does. It really affected me as a journalist. It affected everyone I worked with. Um, but we all sort of knew that life had changed. And I think we all figured that out this week as well. It's changing again. So it's a very fluid situation. Um, how is this different? I think because it's also, it's, it's so global. Um, it's affecting all of us, like all around the world. Yeah. And it's so unknown. And it's, it's uncharted it, territory. It's, it's uncharted it's, territory. It can be scary. It can be anxiety provoking. Um, but, you know, we're all in it together, which I think is also interesting because we're all going through it together. The whole world is going through this together, trying to figure out what to do. Um, you asked about how the media is covering it. You know, we talked about this before the show, but I think there is a, a really big difference between social media and the media. And I think people really have to understand that. And as someone who was a journalist for so long, I mean, facts are really important and you're not going to get them necessarily on social media. You have to know the sources that you're looking at. So I think the Canadian media is doing an incredible job in covering this. It's a very fluid, changing situation. Um, having been someone who was on the ground and, and know the pressures that these reporters are under and journalists yes. are under to try and get the facts. It's, I mean, it is, it's changing by the minute. They're stressed 
stressed in their own life at home trying to figure out how to stay safe. They're stressed going out into the field trying to figure out how to stay safe, but they're bringing the information to the public. And I think they're doing a really good job. I really do. I think that they're doing the best job that they can with information that's changing rapidly. But again, you have to know where you're getting it from. You have to go to factual sources. I talk about this all the time with my kids who are on TikTok and on all these you know, social media sites. You have to know where you're getting your information from, and it's got to be factual. So you have to go to factual places to get correct information. And a lot of it through the media is coming from doctors. It's coming from the Medical Officer of Health. It's coming from the World Health Organization. I mean, that's who they're getting their information from, and that's who you should be getting the information from, not from some so, sites on social media. Right, right. You're so well informed. Is part of you almost like the actor who's left acting want to <laughs> jump back onto the stage and be in, well, be in the is, trenches? <laughs> news is in my blood. I mean, I, I listen, when I was 16 years old, I decided to, I wanted to be a reporter. And um, it was it was something that I had always wanted to do. And I just I love information. So I, I haven't really in the sense I, I'm still a news lover. It's always going to be in my blood. When I'm walking, I'm listening to talk radio. I mean, I'm not listening to music like I'm, I'm still listening to the news in the car. I still get breaking news alerts on my phone. I still am signed up for, you know, Toronto Police press releases. And it will always be a part of me. Yes. Um, and I'll always have a passion for it. And I always have a passion for information. But that's why I, I'm so lucky that I was actually able to shift my focus because I'm not necessarily doing journalism right now, but I'm still doing storytelling. So I was really lucky to be able to stay in a field and to be able to move my my journey, my career journey, Absolutely. take a different path. I even noticed on your Instagram that you handled this like a news reporter. Like yes. it wasn't sort of, like, it was just very journalistic, all the all the stories that you posted. Well, I really feel, yeah. especially now, it's important to to be factual and to provide those facts if you can. So, mm-hmm. you know, I am, I am sending out on my Instagram messages about breaking news, about, you know, the mayor who was going into self-isolation. Like these are the things that I'm, because I want people to get the correct facts. So if I can help in any way, that's what I'm doing on my social media to as help well. Them, to help them here the real facts yeah. not just the social media you post on your own instagram account everything will work out in the end you don't need to know you just have to trust that it will and then you wrote it's been an unprecedented day but let's all read this over and over again because i need to read this like a mantra today you wrote with life around us being canceled sports school travel everything with mass hysteria at the stores it's easy to feel overwhelmed and scared and anxious you go on to talk about as someone who suffers from, from anxiety mm-hmm. the last few days have been a lot yeah. Yeah. But as a journalist, I'm factual as well. What do you mean by that? You just referred to that a little But What can you elaborate? It, it is a very hard time. Um, and I think, you know, we all have to, it, we have to take the time to reflect. So you talked a little bit before about reflecting on what's important, but I think that um, it is forcing us to reflect on what's important. And, but then again, you can become very anxious. And I am someone who from years of being in news, um, suffers from anxiety. I mean, I, I covered everything that was bad and every day that we went out, we were covering, you know, some horrible things. Yes. Um, so I have to remind myself to just calm, you know, you have to take a deep breath and, and look at the facts because yes. if you look at the facts and, you know, we're here, I, I came here, we're washing our hands, we're using <laughs> Lysol, we're being careful, we're being precautious. That's really all you can do. Exactly. Exactly. And meditate, but I'm going to get to that later on. But I do do yoga. <laughs> I did <laughs> go to very, yoga very good. And that's, very good. And that is so fantastic. Yeah. And everyone has to do that. Um, in my intro, I talked about the wonderful meme about embracing what we do have, all the things that are not being canceled. Yeah. And you said we need this as a reminder right now in order to gain perspective. Can you tell us more about this meme? Because I know you posted it as well. Why these words are resonating with you so profoundly? Well, I think it's it is it's taking it's forcing us to slow down and stop for a minute and really take stock of what's important. 
important. And I think we all get so caught up in, and I'm the type of person who likes to have everything organized and, you know, my plans for the next few weeks. We don't have plans right now. I mean, my kids are off school for the next three weeks. They're all of their extracurriculars have been canceled. I have kids who are, you know, really big into hockey. I'm a hockey mom and (laughs) there's no hockey right now. And we don't really know how to, I mean, we don't know life without hockey. So, but I think it's forcing us all to sort of just really stop. And family is very important to me. It's always been important to me. I'm the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors who are still alive. We really make an effort to see each other as a family. We always have. So I'm always the type of person who is grateful for these things in my life. But I think it's forcing all of us to just stop and say, we have to, you know, we just have to take stock of what's important. We have to stop for a minute. You traveled to Poland to cover the March of the Living, wrote, reported, and helped produce a five-part series about the Nazi death camps. It won the 2006 Edward R. Murrow Award. Just briefly, can you tell us what that experience was like for you? Oh, it's uh, hard to put into words briefly, but um, I mean, it was really challenging because I was a journalist, but also someone who had a very personal connection to what I was covering. Um, my grandparents, as I said, are both Holocaust survivors. They thankfully were not in camps, but they were in labor camps in Siberia. So they weren't in camps in Poland, but their family was murdered in the camps in Poland. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very hard few days. And actually, the March of the Living has two parts, one in Poland, one in Israel. The Israel part is the celebration. Yeah. I didn't get to go to the Israel part because oh. I really just went to the Poland part to cover. And then I went back and did the documentary. Um, so it was it was a it was a real challenge. But I think everyone needs to go, to be honest with you, as hard as it is. It was so important to see firsthand. And I really think that everyone needs to go and see it firsthand, Jewish, non-Jewish, everyone, to see what happens when there's hatred, to see how far hatred can go. Absolutely. In 2016, you decided to make a career change, leaving broadcasting behind and creating your own PR communications company. What ultimately motivated you to make this monumental change and reinvent yourself? So as I said, when I was 16, I decided I wanted to be a reporter. So working in Toronto was my end goal. So I was here at my dream job, but I had had two kids and it really changed me. And when I used to, when I was an intern in New York, I actually knew someone who had become a mother and she was, you know, all about reporting and this was her life and this was all she was going to do. And then she had kids and everything changed. And I I was young and I'm thinking, how could that happen? I mean, really, (laughs) how could that happen to someone? How could they have this huge dream? And then they, and then they just go in there with their kids all the time. And then it happened to me and it really did change my perspective. Um, I loved my job and I loved my job until the day I left. And I cried so hard when I had to leave my job, but I love my kids and it wasn't the life that I wanted as a mother. And I was live at 6.15 at night and I wasn't able to be home for dinner very often. And I, you know, wasn't really around to help my husband. I wasn't there to go to their after school programs. And I just, I needed a a better work-life balance. And yeah. it's it's really hard to find in the media industry. It is, it's very challenging. And I applaud everybody who's there because so many of my friends, my best friends are still there. They've got kids. It's a real struggle, yeah. but it's just, and it works for them. It just didn't work for me. And I wasn't happy. And I was finding that there were days where as much as I loved what I was doing, I was crying in the car because I- You missed your kids and I you missed my to kids be there. And I wanted to be wanted home. To be you know, my, when my son was, was little and he couldn't even speak, I wouldn't, I would call- not to hear him talk, just to hear him gurgling and gargling and making noises. And I, cause I knew I was going to miss him because he was going to bed. And so it was really, it was a real challenge. It was a very hard decision. And people say it was a really courageous decision because like I said, I left loving what I did, but I knew that it wasn't at the time right for my life. And that's when I was 
very grateful to go to UJA and, and to have three years there, but then also realized that that wasn't exactly what I wanted to do either. And then was able to create this company. I mean, it's it, KPW it, Communications. KPW. And it, it KPW is Core Parnas Wong. So I work with Sarbjeet Core, Carmen Wong, who used to be on CP24. Sarbjeet had her own company for 10 years. And, you know, Carmen came to me and she said, oh, my friend, she approached me. She's thinking of, she had her own company, but she wanted to grow it. And would you be interested? And at first I was like, no way, because I would <laughs> never think of myself as being a business person. I don't know anything about money. <laughs> I really, I mean, being an entrepreneur was as far from my thoughts. But then the more we talked about it, I thought, actually, this could be a great opportunity. And it actually is. It's, it's, it's been amazing. I mean, I, it, I didn't think about it for as long as I usually think about things. And I think that's when you kind of know that you've just got to try it. You've just got to do it. I didn't, I just went with it and it's how, been amazing. How, how can people contact you and get in touch with you to use your wonderful communication services? And also, I just wanted to add before you, you say that, that this must be wonderful now to have that flexibility at a time when kids are off school now for three oh, weeks. Oh, I mean, I can't and, imagine. And, I, I know what my friends are going through being in news right now. And yeah, I mean, when they announce that your kids aren't going to school for three weeks, I am very blessed and grateful right now that I have the flexibility because I can work. I do, I still have to work because I got to right. make money. And it's even harder sometimes when you're an entrepreneur because you, you don't have the guaranteed income, but I, I can work from home if I need to. And and I can right. be flexible with my hours. So, um, yeah, we, we do everything. Um, if people want to get in touch with us, it's kpwcoms.com. And can you spell I'm, that? Just spell that for yeah, people. kpwcoms.com. I'm on Instagram at n-p-a-r-n-e-s-s-33. And it's at kpwcoms on Instagram as well. And my my colleagues do media relations, government relations, PR, crisis communications, but I'm sticking to the storytelling. I'm still doing video storytelling for companies. So um, I feel really blessed because I get to now tell stories for for companies and I'm telling some pretty incredible stories and, and everyone needs video now and they need digital content. So it's been pretty Fantastic. amazing. I'm so happy that you're here today. Just in three words or less, that's all the time we have. What is sheer bliss for Naomi Parnas right now? Right now could be different than last week, I think, for all of us. But yes. overall, uh, I'd say finding a finding a balance, family and friends, telling people stories and being amazed by life. Lovely. So lovely to meet you. You too. Just Thank great. you so much Thank for having Thank you so much for show. being here. Thank, Thank you. you. We're just going to go to a short commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to meet Niels Worth, someone who had a major career change midlife, going from working in the food industry to becoming a fitness coach and personal trainer, focusing on health and wellness. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. expressed on Finding Your Bliss belong solely to the host and guests on her show. 
We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we are joined now by Niels Worth. Neil, welcome. Niels Worth worked in the food industry as a marketer before embarking on his own food company in the early 1990s. This was followed by 10 years as a food marketing consultant. And throughout this time, he was a recreational runner, cycling enthusiast, participating in various marathons, road races, and duathlons, a serendipitous meeting on a flight from L.A. to Toronto changed the course of his life. We're going to find out how right now. Welcome, Neil Zworth, to Finding Your Bliss. Thanks for having me, Judy. What happened on that flight? You were in the food industry. There was a pivotal moment on a flight where your whole life changed. Well, I'm on the flight. I'm still consulting. And as you know, in consulting, you're always looking for your next gig. And (laughs) a gentleman came on who happened to be sitting next to me who is uh, a food industry executive. And I looked at that is an opportunity of four and a half hours to pitch him on some business. And we're talking and uh, somehow the conversation shifts to fitness. And he said that he's a runner, but he'd been away from running and he really liked to get back into it. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity as an, as a, in an effort to get um, maybe perhaps some consulting. I said, you know what? I'm going to drop a training program that will get you to your next 10 K race. Wow. He said, great. So I went back home and, very, very quickly started working at it, putting it together. And while that was going on, the light bulb went on. I said, well, this, this is more fun than consulting. This is, this is what I want to do. I want to create <laughs> programs. I want to work with people. I want to get them to reach their goals and overcome certain challenges. So um, I started discussing it with my family. They thought it was a great idea to pursue that. And um, I started taking the necessary steps to get me uh, certified and all the things that I needed to do to uh, to get to where I am now. And it wasn't that simple. You have teenagers. And I think you <laughs> told me before the show that studying anatomy and physiology and memorizing was a whole new construct, right? Later in life. It's different than when you're 18 and 19 years old. Judy, that's an understatement. <laughs> it was brutal. Um, you know, and, and uh, you know, the, these people who are at university, they're so used to memorizing and getting those things straight and, and going into exams and just nailing them. And for me, it was just, you know, it was, it was pulling teeth day in, day out, learning it and practicing it and doing practice tests and uh, finally got it and uh, a lot of help along the way from them, especially. <laughs> so great. You were always a fitness enthusiast. This really was you. And maybe that's a clue for people is that thing that you love to do that you've always loved to do is often the clue for what you need to be doing. Can you describe why fitness brings you so much passion and bliss? And I just want to say before you answer that, I'm looking at you when you're the picture of fitness. You're, he's slim. You're, you're going to see this now on the live stream, but in the podcast, you won't. So you, you, you really look like the picture of great health. Well, thank you. It's an interesting story because, um, I was not, uh, Growing up, I was not what you would call a jock. I was not, you know, captain of the football team or basketball. And there was a lot of sports that were, you know, a lot of my friends and peers were very, very active. And I wasn't that individual. But something happened when I was about 16 or 17 years old, <laughs> where I decided that I wanted to take matters into my own hands and become more fit and start eating differently, doing things differently. And from that point on, um, I started running. I started going out. And this was a time where people were not really recreationally mm-hmm. running. I mean, we're talking about mid to late 70s. I started going out and running a mile every night. Wow. And uh, started getting myself there and continued that throughout university. And then when you start getting back into the working world, you uh, 
you know, you're living a bit of a different lifestyle. And I was concerned about what, you know, going out, you're going out for drinks after. And I thought, well, this is an opportunity for things to kind of uh, get back a little, not where I'd want them to be. So I started pushing that even further. And an opportunity came out. Uh, one of the food organizations I was working with was actually Loblaws at the time. And they had this uh, 24-hour relay. It was the run <laughs> for the raw. And wow. they put together a team where you're running a segment of five kilometers. And it was through that that things started really uh, going into taking it to another level. And that was sort of the impetus that eventually got me to running marathons. Isn't that wonderful? I know I've done one of those. I did one of those with Deanie Petty, who was just a guest on our show mm-hmm. about two weeks ago. And my job was to do that and, and to... Uh, you know, pass the baton to her as it, right. as it were. And that, and I don't think I was in as good shape well, as you are. So that, I remember that was, that was incredible. In this new climate that we all find ourselves in, uh, health, wellness, and fitness has never been more important, right? I think we want to prevent the cold rather than cure it. And we want to be as healthy as we can. What do you suggest that people can do right now at home? Well, it's it's interesting because we all of a sudden, you know, there are a lot of people who for the longest time have been active, who've been wanting to get into gyms, who go to diff- various studios and taking uh, diff- different um, group fitness classes or working together with trainers mm-hmm. in fitness facilities. And now we find ourselves in a situation where, you know, many of the studios are closed. Uh, many of the studios are sort of adopting different kinds of policies. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, we're also practicing, you know, social distancing and people are f- all of themselves uh, finding themselves that they're, they're isolated. And, you know, what are they going to do about that? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they still feel that they want to get that, that buzz, that endorphin rush that we get from working out, that need to do something. And um, a lot of them are concerned that it's not there. So one of the things, there are, first of all, there are a number of things that you could do at home, just, you know, in your own living room, in your own uh, rec room, um, just on your own. But there are other things that, you know, for example, that we're offering in the, in the capacity of personal training and coaching is to do some virtual online training wow. and working directly with individuals that way. Uh, we could also still work with people. I mean, if you still keep your distance and you're very careful and vigilant about your, what you're doing and you're safe and you're, you know, cleaning surfaces, um, and wipe, wiping them down before and after you're working, wiping down equipment on a one-to-one basis and keeping the distance, there's a lot of things that you can do to still coach individuals right. as well. And that's what you're mainly doing. You're coaching 50 plus. Uh, is it women or women and men in the comfort of their own homes? That's one of your main gigs that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, what what I do is I um, inspire and guide individuals who are 50 plus uh, to find their strength and vitality. Fantastic. That's so great. You had a wonderful story you told me about uh, before the show about a woman that you helped who said she liked looking at herself for the first time and felt good in her own body for the first time in, in years and years. And, you know, that's uh, I would say that that's really what, what I would call a, a bliss moment for, for me was when this individual was t- was telling me that. And, you know, there were a lot of other things she was saying that it was not just about, you know, how she feels when she looks at herself in the mirror. I, I would describe that as sort of the cherry on the cake. But I, there was other things like all of a sudden now she says that she feels stronger than she ever did. She feels wow. that she has more energy. She felt very much down a lot more be, when before we started working together. Wow. Now she doesn't feel that way. She says, I feel less down. And she says that she has the ability to uh, confront situations a lot easier than she did before. I mean, she said that before they used to kind of 
turn her day upside down. And now they don't do that same way. They, she has she more said, strength, and she's and she's able to to withstand some of the difficult things in, in, in that she's undergoing. Right. And she said it's it doesn't amazing. it doesn't do that anymore. She just you know she has perspective. Uh, she feels strong. She has the ability to uh, put things in perspective. All, all along and look at the bigger picture as day, as the days go on. I, I think I know the answer to this, but what do you think characterizes you and makes you such an excellent fitness coach? And you still are able to operate in people's homes with that six-foot uh, social distancing distance, as it were, and you're still able to do that, but you're also offering this wonderful virtual training through uh, everything from Zoom, the communications Zoom, also through Skype, Skype and as well, um, I think FaceTime is what you mentioned. Right. Yeah. So if you could just uh, speak to that and what makes you, what characterizes you from all the rest? Well, I mean, I think that to be successful in this, I think there, there are three really important components that you have to be able to, to bring to the, to the client. You have to be able to um, give them a very, very good experience, a very positive experience in, in everything that they're doing to overcome the challenges that they're trying to and get to the goals that they want to reach. You have to have a very good working relationship with them. It has to be a positive relationship. They have to feel, and you have to feel, both that, that you're looking forward to working with that individual mm-hmm. every day. And you know, the, probably the most important of all is you have to deliver on the results. Mm-hmm. You have to set the goals, and, um, and they have to be measurable and attainable goals and w- within a, a, real, a realizable frame of time. And you have to deliver on them and deliver the results that they're trying to achieve. Hmm, that's amazing. Can you just paint a picture for maybe our listeners who maybe can't imagine this is what the virtual training might look like? So if I were to, if uh, somebody were to um, show that they're interested in doing that, um, I would sit down with them the way I would any kind of client meeting that I'm going to have. I'm going to try to establish what their goals are. What, what exactly are they currently doing right now? What have they been doing? And then get sort of an understanding of the situation that they're in. You know, what, what is it that, um, it, that's bringing them to the point where they want to talk to me? And what is it that they want to achieve? And really, really drill down and find out more and more about, the, about those issues. Why are they important to them? Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it important for them to overcome that? And when I get a good understanding of that, then we can start putting together some kind of a, a program that is going to start addressing what they want to do. And then from there, um, I would work with them. And all of these things can be done you know, virtually. I would look to them and wow. I would ask them some questions. Um, if, I mean, ideally, if there were a situation where I can see them personally, that would I would be able to assess them personally and see if there are certain um, issues that they may have with mobility, the ability to do certain exercises wow. or stretches. Um, and then from that, we would take it to the next point of actually starting to work with them, put together an exercise program. But the very important part of the exercise program is not only what you're going to do with them, but you want to be able to hold them accountable. And a lot of people are looking to be held accountable. Right. They need it. Absolutely. It's like coaching. I'm a life coach. And it's exactly the same thing as you you sort of define what it is that they're looking for. And then you keep them being accountable so that you can help change happen by creating some kind of action around it. Right. What I love about your story, Neil, is how you reinvented yourself later in life and you really walk the walk and talk the talk and look the look. What do you think propelled you so relentlessly to keep going and gives up something stable for this passion of yours? Well, you know, I really don't believe that you're giving up anything stable when when it's the passion that you're choosing. You know, I had a meeting a couple of weeks ago with a potential client and I was talking to this person about, you know, the passion that I have for doing it. And he said something. He said, (laughs) you know... 
you need to have two things. You need to have passion and you have to have a love of what you're doing. And I said, you're absolutely right because this is a real love. And it, when you feel that you have that love combined with the passion, you don't really feel that it's much of an effort. Exactly. It's not work. It becomes something that you love doing. Again, the four or five hours elapses, you don't even realize where the time has gone because you're so enjoying what you're doing. And I, I would, I would trust you to, to do this because you, you really seem to, you just, you, you seem like, I believe it. It's fantastic. There's lots of ways people can contact you and we'll start off with phone. Yes, uh, my uh, my number is 416-720-4009. You can text me at that number if you wish. Uh, you can email me at uh, neil at endorphin.ca, and that's N-D-O-R-P-H-I-N.ca. Um, you can also reach me by sending me a, a PM on Facebook at uh, Endorphin Fitness. It's at the the Facebook site is uh, uh, Endorphin Attainable Fitness or Instagram Endorphin Fitness. Fantastic. Any of those ways. So many great ways. And also at the Bliss Minute, we'll be plugging this show and the podcast. So if people miss this show, they can enjoy uh, listening to the podcast as well and connect with Niels Worth, who I think made a very good decision reinventing himself. What is bliss for Niels Worth? Bliss is when I'm working with somebody and I really see them achieving the results that they're aiming to achieve. And they come to me and they say, you know, I'm really, really on the other side of it right now. That's, that's, that's bliss for me. That's fantastic. I want to thank you so much for being here today. This was so uh, enlightening and so encouraging that even at this time that we're faced with right now, that people can actually do some, we have so many resources in our homes and we can actually do some of these workers in our homes and, and hopefully with the help of Niels Worth. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to thank all of my wonderful guests for being here today. Uh, Naomi Parnas with KPW Communications, Dr. Sam Gerstein of MyBusinessBlindspots.com, and as we've just heard, fitness trainer Neil Zworth. I really appreciate having you all here. And I want to thank the producer, Phyllis Newman, production coordinator, Siobhan Kylie, production assistant, Haley Allegia, technical producer, Carlos Cagina, and everyone here at Zoomer. As always, we're going to close out this show with a brief meditation. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of meditation during a time like this. Start with even two minutes a day, if you can, by using one of the meditation apps, such as the Calm app, the Serenity app, or the 10% Happier app, or refer, refer to one of the meditations at the end of every one of our podcasts, which can be found at findingyourbliss.com, and just click on radio. Here is a meditation adapted from Mindful Peace. You can do this with me if you want. You can close your eyes and enjoy it. This meditation will immediately reduce the anxiety and fear you are feeling right now. Get into a comfortable position and gently close your eyes. Let yourself become as comfortable and relaxed as possible. As you begin to let go, just focus on your breath. Breathe in through your nose and breathe out through your nose or mouth, letting it all flow in and out ever so naturally and ever so calmly. As you relax, I will say a few mantras that will instantly help calm your anxiety and sense of panic. As you continue, you will feel a wonderful sense of calm slowly come over you. As I breathe in and out, I'm aware of my breath. As I breathe in and out, I'm aware of the anxiety in me. I'm aware of my fears. As I breathe in and out, I'm aware of my negative thoughts. Now I calm my negative thoughts. 
Now I release my negative thoughts. As I breathe in and out, I calm my anxiety. I calm my fear. As I breathe in and out, I relax my mind. I relax my body. I slow down my thoughts. As I breathe in and out, I release my fears. I become free of anxiety. I become free of suffering. I find peace. As I breathe in and out, I let go. I let go. I let go. You should now feel a deep sense of calm through your body. You are liberated and free. Gently open your eyes and have a wonderful and peaceful afternoon. For Finding Your Bliss, I'm Judy Lee Brack, reminding you all to stay safe, stay healthy, and take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.